Today we're going to start a new study. So you can turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians. Uh, it might not pop right open to that because we haven't gone through that. It might, hopefully it'll pop open to Romans uh, because we were in that for quite some time. And uh, even as I shared with the kids, because it's on my mind, some of you know that I do that. You put it together that sometimes I try to make the surprise box the same as the message. Sometimes I get something and I just can't get there. There's no way to get there. Um, but when you get a hairband, I mean, for a bald guy, some of you even smelled it coming. You were so excited. Even before I showed it, you thought that it had something to do with hair um, because you know me well enough. Um, as I shared with the kids, uh, we're going to be talking about the gospel, and I, I want to share that with you. I want to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ today as the primary message. And I, I just tell you this, that's the whole book of Galatians. Um, you know, I don't know how many messages it's going to be, but it's going to be all of them. It's going to be all of them. And um, so uh, if you miss a week... Uh, we're just going to keep pounding you week after week after week with the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and it is, uh, it is a good news message apart from anyone knowing it or hearing it or accepting it. But uh, what we want to connect is that's the good news message for me, that, that I believe in the good news, that the good news is good news for me because my sins are forgiven. Um, and, and I think about that, and as I just want to intro just a little bit this morning, I think about um, all the problems that you have. I was looking at you earlier when we were singing, and I was thinking about all your problems, and I was going, Lord, you know, job security, Lord, till, till you return or till I go home, there's plenty of work here at Bear Valley Church. Um, I joke, I joke, I joke. That was a joke. Some of you are going... Yeah, I do have a lot of problems, you know. Um, but uh, as I think about that, I, I look at a church that, that's needy, and I'm needy, and I'm needy. It's, it's wild because uh, every week I feel like I talk to another one of you or things come up in my life, and I go, oh, there it is again, a needy church, a needy person, a needy pastor. And so um, I'm just grateful that we have a gospel a lot of times those issues, um, we think that there's, some, there's something more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you think about uh, some physical need that you have at your house. Maybe your car breaks down and you need another car. Maybe it's um, something financially that you, you don't have the finances for. Or maybe it's your health and you say, oh, I, you know, I'm really anxious about this appointment this week. And hope I hear good news. I hope I get a great pill. I hope something. And, uh, and, and, and we think about things that uh, we hope will happen. Maybe it's even relationships. You think about your marriage or your relationship with your kids and you say, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm hoping that this will change because this is kind of the thing in my life that's burdening me every day. And if that changes, good things will come. And, and that's true. I don't want to minimize that. You know, when we do get a new car, it's a great day usually, usually. Um, 
And when we do get something fixed on our home, when our health is improving, when we do get answers, like all those things are, are good things and relationships are healed and all those things are good things. But what, what I want to talk to you about for the next however many weeks we go in the book of Galatians is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the issue, the issue of first importance. It's the most important thing. Don't start the game without dealing with this one thing. There's no second step before this first step. That you would know that your sins are forgiven. That you would know that you're right with God. It's an issue of first importance. And, and I would say this, to just move on from that, is to say that the gospel is the first thing all the time. All the time. It's not something that we move on from. It's not, you know, oh, yeah, 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 I came to know Christ when I was in fourth grade. Uh, yeah, 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 it's way back then, but now I got bigger problems. No, no. The, the gospel is the issue of first importance all the time. And then lastly, I just want to say it this way, and then we'll get on to our passage is that the gospel is the last thing as well. It's the first thing and the last thing. It, it, it's, it's all the time. It's, it's not something that uh, when, uh, if we get warning, if we get warning that this is our last day here on earth, if, you know, if some doctor thinks he knows what he's talking about and he says, oh, you only have this long to live and and you say, well, if you're so smart, how long do you have to live? <laughs> you know, thought you were God on me. You know, what about you? Um, but, but if you get some kind of warning, I want to tell you in that last day as well, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be the only thing to cling to, the only thing. The only thing you'll want to care about in those last days is to know that you're right, uh, with the God of the universe, that Jesus Christ, the Son, paid for your sins. He stood in your place. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Let's read the first 10 verses, okay? Galatians chapter 1, we'll read the first 10 verses. God's word says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself uh, for, uh, for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's where we'll end today, but I want to read for context the next section as well. Verse 6, I, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of, of Christ and, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who are trouble, who troubled you, trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, 
Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone uh, is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now speaking for the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. God, I ask your blessing on our study, uh, not just today, but the weeks ahead. I ask that you would um, solidify in the hearts of your people that they are yours and there is one gospel and that, they, that they, it's the, the place on which they stand. It's the, the life that they live based upon. It's the, the only thing they hope in uh, for eternity is the gospel of your son, Jesus. God, may we be a church that's clear in that and also that we would be representing families that are clear in that as well. God, do your work in your church. Thank you for being a part of us and rescuing families um, apart from which we could not do any of this. Um, We need you for everything. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're only going to go through these first five verses, and as you read them, you probably thought, what are we going to talk about for first five verses? Trust me, I can talk, right? I I can talk. Hopefully, it'll be profitable. We start out seeing in this uh, uh, chapter, this book, uh, a message you have to listen to. You have to listen to. Um, Most of you uh, feel like you don't have to listen to anything, right? Right? You're, you're good at, at skipping pages. Uh, I know some of you who are, have gone to school quite a bit, um, when you start reading a book, a lot of times you'll read that first uh, line in a, in a paragraph, and you'll say to yourself, you'll, quick, this is, I don't need to read this paragraph, next paragraph. And, and maybe you'll, you'll look at the, the title of the chapter. You say, oh, I don't have time for this. I'm going to look at the next chapter, right? Or maybe you look at the title of a book and you say, I already know everything that's in here. I'm not going to read the book, right? Uh, I reject the whole thing. Um, I, I want you to know that, that Paul, as in the book of Galatians, he is, he is trying to convince written and and prompted by God, that these people would listen to him. And so as we see this, he starts out with this idea that you need to listen to me. I I have a message, and it's a message you need to listen to. I I think with with the, the great... Remember the great invention? When you think about the great inventions, there's a lot of them, but uh, the, probably the greatest one of all time is the remote control. <laughs> remote control. Um, it, it, for those of you who are younger here today, um, in, in my generation, that's almost the reason that parents had kids, right? <laughs> because if you, had a, if you had a kid, you could, they could you say, hey, change that channel to number five. The news is almost on, right? You know, or change it. And there's only like three or four channels, and you, you had your kids do it. If you had to change there was a commitment if you wanted to change channels. You had to get up and get there, right? And now you just go, you know, and 
Uh, now you, the reason you have kids is so they can figure out how to use the remote, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm getting there. I'm getting there to that age. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> Message you have to listen to. Uh, as you look at this, you realize that uh, we are people who reject messages all the time. And, and it's wise, too, by the way, too. It's not, it's not wise to take everything in. And, and what we're going to see in the weeks to come in the book of Galatians is that um, Paul had uh, shared the gospel, established some churches. He had left. He had left. Some had come in kind of behind him and tried to convince these churches of other things. And, oh, Paul's a bad guy. You don't know about him. And so as a first importance, Paul is seeking to say, I have a message and you need to listen to it. Um, he, he, he says, I'm Paul, an apostle, an apostle. As you think about Paul and his life, you can go back to Acts chapter 7. We won't go there today, but you can mark it and look at it later. Um, Acts chapter 7, you see Paul, Saul at that point. Um, that he is one of the ones that is part of and probably leading the charge to kill the Christian man preacher, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen preaches a great message, maybe a little rough, right? He, he could have tickled a few more ears and maybe got off okay, but he, he didn't do that. He shared what God had placed on his heart. You know it's a good sermon when afterwards they want to kill you. Um, <laughs> And, and so they did with Stephen, and it says that they took their coats or their garments and they, they laid them at the foot of Paul, most likely, uh, or Saul, uh, most likely him being in charge of killing them as, as one of uh, the leader there. It says he was a young man at that time, too, in Acts chapter 7. But then you see later in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts being kind of the the history of the starting of the church, you have uh, much about Peter is in the first part and the establishing of the church of Peter. And then you, in the, as you pick it up in uh, chapter seven, Paul or Saul is introduced. And, and then in Acts chapter nine, you have him continuing to want to persecute the church. And in the midst of that, he comes in contact with Jesus Christ. Or I should say, Jesus comes in contact with him, and uh, he comes to faith, and it's the beginning of who Paul is as a man of God. Paul claims that he is an apostle, an apostle. Now, uh, when we hear that word apostle, we don't think much of it. It sounds like, you know, kind of the disciples, the 12, you know, is he one of them? Yeah, kind of, but the, the word apostle is more of a badge that he would carry. And it's a marker of who he was and what he came to do. Um, If you look at verse 1, it says, An apostle, not from men or through man. Now, when you get a job, uh, I I don't know if you remember getting a job like this. I remember uh, being a milkman and it was kind of a fun thing. Like, I, I hate to say this because it was just a funny job. But uh, as I got a job as a milkman, they hired me. And as one of the first few weeks of my job, they, they ordered shirts that had my name on it. 
And, and they said, you know, you're a milkman now. Wear your shirt. And so when you go out, when you go out, when you're delivering milk, uh, it'll look official and they'll know your name and they'll know you're from our company and they'll, they'll realize that you're the milkman guy. As Paul went out uh, in a much greater way, he was an apostle, but he didn't get hired for a job. There wasn't a group of people who said, uh, you're, you're in the interview, Paul, we're going to interview you for, for being an apostle. We'll see if you're good enough. It, it wasn't like that at all. It was God making him an apostle. It was Jesus saying, I got, I got a message for you to take to the people. And so you're an apostle taking my message. And so I, I want you to hear this in your mind. First of all, it's not a man-made thing. It's not a man-made thing or even a group of men. It wasn't voted on. I, I think often we get authority from uh, this being the most popular or everyone agrees on this. And it wasn't that everyone agreed on Paul. In fact, he says it wasn't about men or, uh, or a man. There wasn't someone of authority nor the majority that said, I've got a message, you need to listen to it. It wasn't that at all. Paul says this, he says, uh, you know, I'm an apostle, not from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And then he speaks of the resurrection being the most powerful of all events, life-changing, life-giving. Uh, he connects his apostleship with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his own resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What I want to highlight for you as a, kind of as a basis, we'll come back to this, is that Paul's an apostle. An apostle has a message sent by Christ. Sent by Christ. And so as you look at Paul, there's some insignificance to his life but there's a significance because of what he's doing, what he's doing. How many of you get excited when you get a package? You're excited to see the brown truck or here, it could be any kind of truck, right? Any kind of truck. Or you see the guy at the post, you know, at your post boxes, right? You know, where, where those are. And you get excited. The mail's here. Or you think about that and you say, man, I'm excited to see you today. And they're like, you don't even know me. You're excited not about the person, but you're excited about the, what he's bringing, what he's bringing. And so as you think about an apostle, you realize that he's sent by God, sent by God. It's not that he's significant. It's that the one who sent him is significant. And just as the, the postman or woman is insignificant, it's not insignificant what they do because of what they bring. And as he brought, as he sent this letter, he was sending it as a letter you must read and you must heed. Hopefully that will be helpful for you. Read and heed. This is a message from God sent through an apostle comes from Paul, it's, it's, it's from God, it's from Christ. This is what you need. And so as you think about this, as you read this, it's not just you reading and saying, I'm gonna see how good it is, but you're, you're reading it and you say, I gotta read this, I must read this. 
And not just that, I must heed this because this is a message from God to me. Um, and I just reiterate that, that I, I believe from the rest of the book that the Galatian people, the churches there, they struggled with listening to Paul. They struggled to listening with Paul. And one of the reasons, uh, we won't talk, take too much time on this this week, why would they be a little skeptical of Paul? Because he killed people for being Christians, right? You know. Hey, Paul's traveling through. He's trying to travel in missionary. Who wants to have him spend the night at your house, right? <laughs> Paul who? You know. Um, so Paul is saying, I have a message you have to listen to. As you think about the book of Galatians, I just want to talk, take a step back and just talk about the whole book here for a moment. Um, probably one of the most famous readers, writers about the book of Galatians was Martin Luther. In fact, he even said a very weird thing, very weird thing. Some of you know what that was. Uh, he referred to Galatians and he said, it's my Catherine. It's my Catherine. Catherine was the name of his wife. And as he looked at the book of Galatians, and he looked at all the books of the Bible, but he said, this is my favorite. This is my wife. I'm married to this. Uh, I don't know how that made Catherine feel. Um, but, but it is an odd thing, but it was the book that he loved so much. In retrospect, understanding a little bit about uh, church history, um, you, you, you can say it this way, that... Uh, the book of Galatians uh, got Luther out of the Catholic Church. It was the book. Um, undoubtedly with other scriptures as well, especially the book of Romans, it was what brought Luther out of uh, the Catholic Church. And it had nothing to do, I mean it did, but it didn't. It revealed over time, it wasn't so much about the practices of the Catholic Church, though those had an issue. But it was the teaching of the gospel that caused him to uh, say, I, I don't know if I can have confidence in what they believe. And so hopefully even as we go through this, this will be encouragement for some of you uh, to be well-founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, this isn't about being Catholic or, or being a Baptist. Uh, this is about you being right with God Connected to Jesus Christ, confident in your salvation, finding your place in his church um, until he takes you home forever. If you think about this area of Galatia, uh, some refer to it as Asia Minor, uh, it's modern day Turkey. Uh, for those of you who are, are good with geography, um, it's kind of on the bottom of the Black Sea, and uh, the only reason some of you know where the Black Sea is is if you go across the Black Sea to the north, uh, it's Ukraine, okay? And uh, we've been seeing this over and over again on the news these last, this last year. And so right below that, right below across the Black Sea uh, from Ukraine uh, is this area uh, Asia Minor, uh, where Paul had gone before, probably his first missionary journey is re the reference, and planted four or so churches. 
And, and this is him writing back to these churches that they might know a, a very important message. And, and I want to talk about that message for a moment. The message that we're going to find in the uh, book of Galatians in the weeks to come is that there's really three options of how to live your life. Three options. And, and this was three options for the people uh, of Galatia, the church of Galatia. And so there's really three options for us here too. Um, and there's only one gospel, but there's three options, okay? I just wanted to tell you that. Uh, the first option, and, and this is the one probably they're primarily struggling with, is uh, there was a, a connection to the Old Testament law. And the Old Testament law was a bunch of rules. Uh, most of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments to some degree. And you say that was what they based their, their lives on. They tried to follow the Ten Commandments. And so now Christ comes in the New Testament. He comes as a baby but grows to be a man, gives his life. And there's this response to the gospel. There's this response to Jesus Christ. But, but this is one of the options that they saw of how to live your life now. Is to go back after you've trusted in Christ, if you've received the gospel, is to go back to the ways of the Jews, Judaism. It, it's the idea of 2.0, right? Or the new and improved with Jesus added. Uh, this is the picture. This is really one of the options that they looked upon. And it's probably the, the primary one that they would uh, go to is the first one, is go back to Ju- Judaism in a 2.0 sort of way. The second option um, is because of Christ, because of the gospel, that we can now live without a care because sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. It's the picture uh, of a, of someone who's very poor and they, you know, they find a rich uncle or someone looks upon them and they, they pass away and they, they give them not a million dollars, but a hundred million dollars. And they finally realize that, that they can't outspend or they can't outwaste the money that they've received. And so they say, well, then it doesn't matter. So I'll just do whatever I want because it doesn't matter anymore. Sin doesn't matter. And they live in such a way that they live without a care, not caring what God thinks at all because they're forgiven. And they turn into some kind of new selfish religion or cult that says your life doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want. It's interesting, I, I believe it was Luther as well. I've heard it quoted as Luther. But um, he, he referred to this conundrum here. And he said, it's kind of like a, a drunken German peasant trying to get on a horse. And, and, and he tries and he tries and he slides off this side. And, and he tries again and he slides off this side. And so he gets a little bit more energy and he he goes as hard as he can. And then as he gets up on top, he slides off the other side. And this is the picture for much of the church, much of the church throughout history. It's this idea of saying, which one are we? Are we the rule followers 
Or do rules not matter and I'll do whatever I want? I'll chase after sin. I'll live selfishly. And it's the same saddle sliding off both sides. Which brings us to the third option, which is something very different. Something very different. And this something that's very different, I believe, is described in the rest of the book of Galatians. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the weeks ahead. Okay? There it was, right there. If you look down at verse 3, he he spoke of the message that you have to listen to, uh, that he has and you have to listen to, 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 to read and to heed. And then you see in uh, verse 3, and, and realize this, that maybe some of you have already thought of it. Many of Paul's letters have some of the same structure. Uh, it, it's an it's a address. It's acknowledging himself. It's acknowledging his readers. And, and many times it's acknowledging something good about his readers and something on the basis of what he writes. And, and this letter is a little bit different, but has some of the same structure. We'll get into it in the weeks to come. But in verse 3, it says this, and it speaks of the gospel. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this, grace and peace, grace and peace. And as I was contemplating this before, it it was very much a greeting of the day. It was very much something that they would say, grace and peace. And the peace part is probably even connected very much to the Old Testament where they would say shalom and this idea of God's peace for them. But as a believer, a New Testament believer, uh, this word grace is one that is prominent in the New Testament. It's not that it's not found in the Old Testament. It's not that you don't find a picture of grace in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it is primary. And he says this, grace and peace. Uh, how, how do you hear that? Let's, let's hear that first word, grace. The, the idea that God loves you apart from you doing what's right. It's that God giving his favor to you even when you're guilty and don't deserve it. Grace. This is so hard to get, isn't it? The grace thing. It's so hard to get. Why? Well, you want to think of yourself as a good person. You want to think of yourself as top of the class. And, and, and I want to say you might be top of the class. Uh, among the blind, the one eye is king, right? I, I want you to know that, yeah, you, you might be the, the best of the worst. But... But it still leaves you, even if you're better than your brother or or your sister or your husband or your wife, it still leaves you in need, in need. And so as, as he talks about this greeting that would connect them, but also as he talks to these churches that have a message, he says, grace and peace. That first word, grace, being the idea that that God would extend his favor to you, that he would extend his hand and say, I I want you to be mine. And you say, I'm unworthy. He says, I know, I know. I know better than you do. I know. 
And you say, well, let me work my way. He says, no, we don't have that kind of time. We don't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of effort. You can't make it. Grace comes from the message of Jesus. I think it's interesting how these words come together because once you have the grace, you get the peace. Once you have the grace, you get the peace. Uh, Some of you have good memories of bad things. And when I say good memories of bad things, you can remember bad things you've done or bad things that have happened in the past. And in the night, it comes up to you, right? And you have good memories of it in the sense of like accurate memories. Maybe not accurate, but, but powerful memories, right? And, and, and the guilt floods over and it floods over and you say, you know, I, I did it wrong and I can't go back and I can't fix it. How, how am I going to get over this? And God, I know you know it because you, you see everything and you know everything. And I, I don't know how I can get over it. And I want to tell you this. If you have the grace, you get the peace. What, what, is it, what do I mean by that is this. that If you have the grace of the gospel, that if it's not dependent upon you working to be good, that if God accepts you because of his grace, you can sleep at night because it's taken care of peace. Uh, how many of you are worried about the weather? A little bit. Yeah? Oh, we got a spot. We, we got a spot in our house. I don't want to tell you too much, but um, sometimes when we get weird rains like this, and I'll say it weird, I'll just leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> it, the water runs off our neighbor's property. It's kind of a food chain. Uh, it runs off our neighbor's property who has horses, and horses do what? Um, uh, and, and it kind of floats down, it floats down, and there's a spot, there's kind of a low spot by my house, uh, on the top side of my house, and sometimes it puddles up there, and so uh, Dan and I kind of tried to work, you know, maybe a, a river that would go down and end up this stuff at my mother-in-law's house. She's all set up, though. She's all set up. She's got these little things that go around, and then it ends up at our neighbor's house, you know, as a food chain, right, right as that goes on. And I do, my, I got a few spots on my roof that I'm a little, you know, nervous about, so I kind of wonder how things are going to turn out. And that's just a small thing, right? I, I think that there's plenty of things out in the future that most of us look at, and we go, I don't know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about that. I'm a little nervous about my finances. I'm a little nervous about my health. I'm a little nervous about my kids, and there's reasons, you know. And and, and so I, I want to strive, and I want to, like, get crazy inside, and I feel crazy inside. But I want to tell you that as we accept the grace of God, we can have the peace of God. Not that everything's going to be okay in the sense everything that I want is going to happen that we can trust in him and, and trust that he is on duty, that he, as he's cared for our soul, as he's cared for our soul, he will care for our days, that we can trust him. Let him be God and I'll be something much less than God. I can trust him. So grace and peace. And I want to tell you, this wasn't some apostolic deeming that he placed on them he, he connects it quickly. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he connects these 
to God's plan in his son Jesus that Jesus bore out on the cross that this is what we get because of the plan of God. Verse 4. And let me give you a Bible study tip. And and by the way, coming up, uh, Caleb's going to do a study on how to study the Bible. Most of you should be there. Most of you should be there. Um, It's... I don't know. Did we say it was going to be first service or is it first service? First service, yeah. So first service, and so we're going to be do that. I'll talk to you a little bit more in the weeks to come. But let me give you a, um, a a Bible study tip. Okay, as you read through the Bible, you should look for some things. You should look for this things. I would say look for God. Look for God, and you say that seems so obvious. But sometimes you get lost in the story and you forget that God is revealing Himself. Uh, and so look for God. But the second thing I would tell you to look for is the gospel, the gospel. It should be in every passage. It should be in every chapter. And as you look at this passage and you say, it's just an intro, right? It's just a, a salutation, if you will, and a connection with the Paul and the church of Galatia. Where is it? He's just saying things kind of that he said before. There it is right there. Verse four. Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself up for our sins. That's, in C, that's as small as we get there. For gave himself up for our sins. You should be rejoicing right now. I should be rejoicing right now. And it's this powerful message. We've talked about it over and over again, but I love talking about it. It's, it's that him, Jesus Christ, Why did he come? The will of the Father, the plan of the Father worked out in the Son. The Son comes. Why does he come to this earth? Uh, Well, he comes to be the king. But what kind of king? The sacrificial king. It says, uh, John writes in 1 John 3, 16. It says, by this we know love, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life. And really the example, he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. He laid down his life for us. Uh, When you think of rich people, uh, you think of people who can be generous, can be generous, and they... They see you struggling and they say, oh, I'll take care of that. I'll pay for that. And, and out of their wealth and out of their incredible wealth, they say, you know, I can pay you $5. I can take care of that. I, I can even pay more. I can pay thousands of dollars. But to them, it's nothing. It's not this huge cost. But as we look at the gospel and as we see right in, the, in this beginning of this important book of Galatians, as he's going to talk about the implications of the gospel, both at the beginning, but throughout the time, he says this, that, that Jesus, verse 4, who was he? He was the one who gave himself. He gave himself. As you connect that, uh, you can think back to John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 we are in. But in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's special, the only begotten son. And so he, he gave something. Jesus gave something. He gave his life. He gave his life. 
And so why is, it, why is life so important? Why is what we do in this life so important? Why is it so valuable and a treasure that we have? Because of how much was paid. <laughs> how much was paid. And Jesus Christ died uh, for what? For our sins. And you, and you put those side by side, right? Uh, he gave, he gave for me, for me. And, and it wasn't, you know, I, I think often we think that we're just coming up short. We're just coming up short. We, do, we did our best, we just don't have enough. It, it, we were a really good person, but we just couldn't make it over the top. I want to tell you the highlight here is not what a good person we were. It's what a sinner we were. He gave. What did he give? He gave himself. He laid down his life. For what? For me. For, for me and my goodness? No. For me and my sinfulness. For me and my sinfulness. Holy Jesus Christ uh, went to the cross for unholy me, for our sins. But wait, there's more. Verse four. It says that uh, to our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. I, I thought that was funny uh, because I thought I thought we were in the present evil age, right? You want examples? You know. I, I, I joke and you laugh, but it, it's ugly. It's ugly. It's wicked. And, and it's at your doorstep. It's in your home, right? And, and, and there's this connectivity in our world today, and it's not being used for good. It's being used for wickedness. And so as you think about what's going on in the earth, both in the progress they think they're making and also the, the sins that are rampant and, and, and compounding, and you look at this and you say, you say, we are in the present evil age. And Paul says, me too, me too. Present evil age. The picture is, if you can look at it this way, it's this rushing river. It's this rushing river of, of sewage and filth and wickedness of this world, and it's just rushing. And we're in it. We're in it. We're, we're, we're trying to get out, but we can't swim. It's too fast, and, and we're unable, and we're, we're bobbing up and down, and we're going, I can't get out of this on my own. And the picture here is this. Because of what Christ has done, it's that he comes and he snatches us. He takes us. And delivers us from the present evil age. I was reminded, I think I prayed earlier, uh, that one of the things that we feel like God has called us to, it's not inspired by God. We do believe that this is what he wants for us, is to rescue families. Is that he, he, we, we believe that he's going to bring people to us and bring people in our lives, and some of those are us, right? To rescue us. Rescue us from what? Being one of those, right? Just lost in this present evil, wicked time. And this is the gospel, is that, that Jesus gave himself. He gave himself not for himself. 
and not even for good me, but for sinful me, that I might be delivered from this present evil age. One of the struggles that we have is we think it's a good time sometimes. Say, man, it's a great time to be alive. All all the cool stuff, right? You know, all the cool functions and what you can do without, you know, lifting a finger, right? You can just do it on your computer. You don't have to go to work. You can just work from home, kind of. And, And you think, you know, I don't have to do anything. I can have my groceries delivered to my door. And it's such a great time. And everything's so great. Everything's great. And we forget that the present age is an evil age, one that uh, the gospel is to save us from, that we might have the same end result as those. As you look at this in this section, and really it's, it's a starting point, he says, uh, who gave himself up for us to for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, and he says this, according to the will of our God and Father. I always want to remind us as we look at this, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Not just who's in charge, but who has the plan? Who has the plan? Um, I know some of us, myself included, we know there are wicked people in uh, positions of power in our world right now. And it sometimes freaks us out because they're gazillionaires and their friends are gazillionaires and they're powerful people and governments and times and they can get together and make decisions and all of a sudden it winds up in Tehachapi. All of a sudden, magically. And yet I I read the scriptures and I, I know this, that God has a plan. He had a plan, Old Testament, had a plan, New Testament. Big, big part of the plan was bringing Jesus, sending Jesus for sinners like me and you. We see his plan of the church, what we're doing right here, but the church in the Bible, and we're kind of mimicking and doing our best in our culture and time and place right now. And we know that there's an end. We, it's throughout the Bible, but you see it in Revelation and see this culmination. And, and you say, well, who wrote that? And it's God's plan for the end. And as we see this, we're in the midst of it in the book of Galatians. And we, we need to remember that, that this isn't, our, our salvation wasn't just some great idea that somebody came up with. It was God's idea worked out in his son Jesus for me and you. And that this is just a part of his plan that he is going to bring to fruition. And it will happen. It will happen. So, so we see the will of God. One writer said it like this, and I thought it was helpful, so I'm going to read it to you. It says, that the atoning death of Jesus was not merely something which God had permitted. It was something that the Father willed. God wills something better for his people than an unthinking conformity to worldliness of the age in which they find themselves. God's desire for his people and God's desire in his son Jesus and God's desire in our salvation is that that we would be saved and not just saved, but be snatched out of 
uh, this awful worldly place that we're stuck in for the moment. Which brings us to the end of the message this morning, verse five. To whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. As I read that, I, I go, oh yeah, that's one of those things that's in the Bible quite a bit. But I was thinking about it in terms of verse 4 and how verse 4 really highlights in a simple form, uh, Jesus gave himself for sinners like me and you, saving us from this evil world. And, and so you can look at your salvation sometimes and say this, I've been saved. I've been saved. Who, who was saved? I was saved. What were you saved from? That evil world. What was the purpose? So I would be saved and not lost. If you put it all together, verse 5 says this, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Where's the glory? Well, the glory is in his plan. It's in his doing. It's in his method. It's in his accomplishment. And and I thought about this and I, I kept you know, how does this fit together with my salvation? His glory, my salvation. Why did he bring the grace? And now why is he talking about the glory? What is God's glory? I'd say it this way. You are his glory. You are his glory. The church of Galatia, the church of Galatia, they're meant to be a, a a glorifying thing to God. Why did Jesus go to the cross to, to bring the Father glory? It was his plan. And so, so what happens now as, as salvation touches the lives of sinners like me and you, it's this connection now. Why did he do something so magnificent to bring himself glory? Then we are somehow what he wants to gain glory from now. Sometimes we look at the sunset, we look at the the ocean, and truly it's meant to point to God, but so is a redeemed life. Glory for him. In Ephesians 2.10, this is another writing of Paul's. Paul speaks of salvation, and chapter 2 is an amazing chapter, but as he kind of puts a cap on speaking of the desperate need, the deadness of a, a lost sinner, and then life through Jesus, Based upon his grace, he puts this on the cap in verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, what what the book of Galatians is going to talk about, and we're going to go over it point by point, is this. Uh, Our salvation, our inclusion in the church our local church that we're here for is this, that, that God's grace in us is meant to now cause our lives to be different, not based upon works and earning our way and not based upon license of just doing whatever we want, but because of his glory that we would uh, work for him, live for him, because that's what we are created in Christ. In that word created, that's not created at the point of your birth or in the womb. It's created in your salvation that he would do in you. As you see these last few words here, it says, to whom be the glory. 
And then it says, forever. How long's forever? Forever. And ever, right? He says it twice. And so what we get here is this, that God's desire in his people, in his son Jesus, and his work on the cross, is that he would redeem lost souls like me and you, and that our lives would forever bring him glory because of his grace. And that would be forever. It'd be permanent. It'd be permanent. Uh, for those of you who are young, I, I could ask you, what are you going to be doing in 50 years? You go, 50 years? I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I want to tell you, me neither. Me neither. I'm with you. But, but it's this idea of what will my job be to bring him glory? Because of the grace of the gospel, because that's permanent. My desire and my role is to bring him glory forever. It's permanent. It's ongoing. And I would even say this, as he says, uh, forever and ever, amen. It's the end of the story. So be it. And so as we look at uh, the, this, this book, I, I just want to encourage you that these are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about, the gospel and how do we live in light of the gospel in the weeks to come. Uh, this is so important for us because what I, my desire, my hope for this study is that, that the first thing is that we would be confident, not because we're confident, but because we know that we are saved by Jesus Christ. That was my first goal for all of us here. The second goal, and it's a secondary goal, it is, is that because of that goal, we would know how to live the rest of our days. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity of studying the book of Galatians. God, I do ask that you would do your work in your church, that you would bring many to know you and confidence in your son Jesus. And God, I thank you uh, just for the opportunity of having your word, of knowing it, of hearing from you. God, do your work in your church, we pray in Jesus' name.